Welcome to City Talk, a podcast from City View Church in Northern Virginia. At City View, we're about Christ, community, and commission. Why Jesus came is why we're here. Our mission today has not changed since Jesus assigned it to the church over 2,000 years ago. It's worth pausing to think about it and make sure we're aligned with God's purpose. You know, I think this is a great section of scripture for us to look at as the uh, new year launches. It is the account of Zacchaeus. Now, you may be familiar with it. Maybe you've heard it in Sunday school or your children have mentioned it to you. Um, but this was a really intense time in the big picture of things. What is going on here in Luke chapter 19, where Jesus meets Zacchaeus? Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. He knows he is going to be crucified. The next event that you're going to read about in the book of Luke is Jesus comes to Jerusalem for the triumphal entry. There's a lot going on. Jesus must have had a lot on his mind, knowing what lay ahead from him. Jericho is about 20 miles outside of Jerusalem. It was right there on the way. And um, Zacchaeus was a wealthy tax collector. And when you see wealthy and tax collector in the same sentence, that's usually not a good sign. Even more so in the culture where they came from, because the tax collectors were allies with the Romans. And the Romans would kind of turn a blind eye if these tax collectors would say, hey, we'll give you your taxes if you let us shake the people down for a little bit more. And the Romans said, as long as we get our money, you can kind of do what you want. So many of the tax collectors were corrupt. And Zacchaeus, we can infer, was probably pretty corrupt because he was, goes out of his way to say he was rich. He was loaded. But he wanted to see who Jesus was. There was something about Jesus which just got a hold of him. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And that's in verse 3. And then Jesus returned the favor. Jesus wanted to spend time with Zacchaeus. And not only did Jesus want to spend time with Zacchaeus, but he was willing to go to Zacchaeus' home to do it. Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus. The respectable classes didn't. Zacchaeus was despised by the people. But he saw Jesus for who he was. And Jesus showed great kindness to Zacchaeus. Even though respectable people would have hated him. The respectable people all questioned Jesus' judgment. What are you doing going to this sinner's house? But Zacchaeus believed. Zacchaeus believed, and not only did he just make a mental ascent, but he changed. Here was a guy who had probably had a lot of ill-gotten gains saying, I'll give my money away. I will show my faith by my actions, kind of like what we've been talking about in the book of James for the last few months. And then Jesus, at the end of this account, verse 10, reminded everyone why he came says for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost right there jesus just puts his mission statement i've come to seek and to save the lost and that's really important for us to remember this when jesus says come to seek and to save the lost we need to understand that why he came is why we're here why he came is why we exist as a church family 
But we've also got to understand that Jesus has given his mission to us to carry it on. It's discipleship. It's replication. Jesus wants all of us to understand why he came and to understand that is why we're here. And if that is why we're here, we need to build our life around this message. You see, here's the thing. If you want to be Christ-like, you need to do as he did. And that means we always have eyes to seek and to save the lost. And there's some assumptions in this statement right here. Jesus is saying, everyone apart from him who doesn't know him is lost. That's serious. So when we say we want to do what Jesus said, and we want to seek the lost so that we can introduce them to the one who saves them, we're not being arrogant. We're not saying we're better than but we are recognizing that people apart from Christ are facing God's judgment. And God has said, there is a way out, but they need someone to give them the message. And that's us. You see, why we're here is to introduce people to Jesus Christ, to help them take their next step towards knowing, loving, and following him. He came to seek and to save the lost. We're here to seek the lost so we can introduce them to the one who saves. So what can we learn from this account? It's a very short account, 10 verses. But there's a lot in there. And I think there are some very important points that we can base our life on. And as we go into a new year where we spend some time examining, how am I doing with my priorities? This would be a great time to look at this account with Zacchaeus. Now, for some Christians, the thought of going out there and what doing evangelism, uh, in, talking to people about Jesus, it's terrifying. It's intimidating. What if they ask a question that I don't know? What if they think I'm foolish? What if they reject me? All of those things flood our minds. And our natural reaction is to come up with excuses for not doing it. And we can even make them sound spiritual. But here's the thing. If we want to be like Christ, we've got to do what Christ did. He sought the lost. And so we need to build our lives around this. Several things for us to bear in mind. First of all, people are more ready than you think. You know, it's very easy for us to think, okay, um, I'll tell so-and-so about Jesus when they're ready. I'm going to wait for the perfect moment to do it. And we all know that the way life unfolds, there's never anything like a perfect moment. I mean, the stars will never all align just the way we want them to. And so we say, oh, they won't be ready. Oh, no, it's just not going to work. And we shrink back. But the world is more ready to hear than you think. And I would say that some of the least likely people in your minds are the ones who God has been preparing behind the scenes, and they just need someone to tell them the good news. If you would have scanned the crowds in Jericho that day, Zacchaeus probably would not be the one that you would say, oh, this guy's ready to become a Christian. This guy is ready for the Lord. But he was. Because God is working behind the scenes. 
You know, it is undeniable in our culture that church attendance is declining. All the polls, all the surveys say it. It's called the great de-churching. Sociologists refer to it. And a lot of people in clergy circles talk about it, and there's panic. What, what, what can we do? And there's all kinds of research. There's all kinds of factors of why some people will say, yeah, I grew up in the church, but I've left it. Um, all kinds of reasons. But something that stood out in this research more than anything else to me is that roughly three-quarters of the people who have left church said, yeah, I'd go back again if someone invited me. That is staggering. So you've got people who on social media are posting stuff about why they don't go to church anymore or why they're mad at God or whatever it might be, and we look at that and we think, they're not interested. But three-quarters of these people are saying, yeah, I'd go if someone just invited me. And so for all of us, my challenge is, if you have an opportunity to introduce someone to Jesus, if you have the chance to invite them to church, you know the devil didn't put that thought in your mind, so it's probably a good idea to just roll with it and see what God does. You know, in basketball, they say you miss every shot you don't take. And so I think it's important for us to take those shots and trust God for the results. Our culture is getting more lonely and more divided. Didn't take a sociologist to see that. More and more, I think it's true that people really don't care what we know. They just want to know that we care. And as Christians, with a God of the universe living inside us, he will give us everything we need to care for the people around us, to introduce them to Jesus. And then I'd say this to all of us. There is no such thing as one-on-one -on -one evangelism. No such thing. Because as a Christian, you are never alone. God is always with you. So whenever you talk to someone about the Lord, it's like you have God standing next to you. Jesus even said to his disciples just before he was going to be crucified, he said, listen, you're going to get hauled before kings and magistrates, and you're going to have to testify me about me. Don't worry. I'll give you the words to say. And I think that's true for us, that if we are willing to take that step of faith and open our mouths to talk about Jesus with people, God is right there with us saying, I got you. I'll bring stuff to mind that you read in the scripture earlier, or maybe something you heard, so you can respond to the, to the questions. I'll guide you. So whenever we open our mouths to talk about Jesus, we really ought to have two conversations going on at the same time. One with the person we're with, and second, we're talking with the Lord saying, Lord, help, give me what I need. And you know God wants to answer that. God is looking for us to just take that step of faith and go for it. So when we share Christ, there's no such thing as one-on-one -on -one evangelism. We're also told in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is working in the background convicting people of their sin, the fact that they need a righteous Savior, and that they're going to be judged. Holy Spirit is doing the advanced work for us. And so he's just looking for us to do our part and say, yeah, I'll take a step of faith, and I will go and speak to that person. So people are more ready than you realize. 
Don't kind of try to think of your friend group or your coworkers. You think, who's the one person that's ready? Because nothing will ever align. God says, just go for it. I'm working on people. Will you trust me that I'm working on some of the most unlikely people and they might respond when you bring up Jesus with them? So from verse 3, people are more ready than you realize. Zacchaeus, the least likely character, went out of his way to look at Jesus and to find out about him. Secondly, I'd say this from this passage. We need to do life on mission. Do life on mission. And that is do life shaped with this idea of where to seek the lost and introduce them to the one who can save them. We need to invest and build our lives around that which will last forever, and that's people. That's what we need to do. Now, I've coached youth soccer for over a decade, and uh, it, one of the things that's fun for me is to start with them at a very young age and work with the team all the way through up till, till they're towards high school. But when they're really, really young in the littles, uh, they're supposed to be playing soccer, but they do everything on the field except play soccer. You know, they'll practice... Uh, with a team of six-year-olds, you're telling them, hey, stop chasing the butterflies now. You're supposed to do this drill right here. One of my daughters, when she was uh, six, she was playing against her best friend's team, and her best fr- she and her best friend were just holding hands, skipping together. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. You kick your opponent. You're not supposed to hold their hand. Um, we get distracted. We lose sight of why they're on the field. And I feel that in God's eyes, We live life a lot like six-year-olds play soccer. We're all over the place. We're distracted by the stuff that really is not supposed to get a hold of our attention. We're supposed to remember the formations that we're playing in. We're supposed to remember which direction we're going in. And likewise in life, we're to build our life around the gospel. Now, it does mean that we do what we're supposed to do with excellence, our jobs and, and so on. But we also recognize that there's more to us being at our job than actually doing the job. We're representing Jesus Christ there. And that needs to drive us. So we need to focus and think on the things that will last forever. We need to live intentionally. When we live intentionally, we've got to understand that we're supposed to live as Jesus did. We need to be looking out for those that need to hear the gospel. And we need to open our mouths with it. For the follower of Jesus Christ, there are three ways you can relate to the world. And only one of them is correct. You can either run away from the world, you can run with the world, or you can run to the world. And it's very important that we get this distinction right. When you're running away from the world, that is when Christians say, we just want to be around people that are like us. They're going to be nice and happy and shiny, happy people. And we're not going to get ourselves dirty with all the problems of the world. And we kind of get in these little holy huddles. The problem with that is if God's people just huddle together, then who's going to tell the world about Jesus? And then the other extreme is you have Christians who run with the world. And that's where a Christian looks no different than the world around them. A Christian adopts the values of the world, looks just like the world, and really serves no purpose in the world. 
The way God wants us to relate with the world is we go to the world. And that is we are intentional. We recognize that everywhere we are, whether it be in a, doing a hobby with a group of people, in the workplace, at home, wherever we are, we represent Jesus Christ. And he has put us there for a purpose. And he will ask us, hey, what did you do with that time in such and such a club? How did you use your time in your work? We'll have to give an account to him. So live our lives intentionally. We go to the world. We don't run away from the world. We're not scared of the world. We don't want to run with the world and look just like the world. But we want to go to the world. We have purpose in life. And it comes from Jesus. Our priority needs to be built around him. Do life on mission. Third thing I'd say from this passage, stay alert. Stay alert. Always look for opportunities to share Christ. Jesus could have walked right past Zacchaeus. Jesus had many opportunities to hang out with the high-ranking and the people who are impressive in society. But Jesus knew something special was going on, and he stopped for Zacchaeus. Now he looked up at Zacchaeus in that tree and said, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house for dinner. I mean, Zacchaeus probably would have like fallen out of the tree. when I mean, this is this great religious teacher. And then all the other holier-than-thous around there would have, you know, oh, what's he doing doing this? But Jesus was alert to opportunity. Opportunity to bring someone the ultimate good news. So how do we stay alert during the day? I think it's having a sense of purpose. You know, it's so easy in the busy lives we live, to just be on autopilot. Oh, the alarm goes off. Time to get up. Oh, got to eat. I'm starving. Oh, got to catch the bus. Or, oh, got to drive to work. Whatever it might be. And before we know it, a day has gone by like that. How much better if the first thing we did, instead of saying, oh, good Lord, it's morning, is we'd say, good morning, Lord, I'm yours. And what if we got in the habit of just saying, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, would you give me your heart for the people around me? Would you give me your eyes to see the opportunities to share Christ? What if we started every day like that, built that habit into our lives? And then what if we take it next level and throughout the day, we're saying, Lord, I'm yours. Show me what to do. Give me your heart for the people around me. If we bake that, into our way of doing life, then you will naturally start talking with people. It is no accident that God has placed you where he's placed you. He is in control, and he has a purpose for you. He wants his representatives all over the place, in schools, in workplaces, in homes, in communities. And so he spread us all around this area, and he wants us to use that position well. So stay alert. Stay alert to people because God has given us opportunities all around us. So as we think of Zacchaeus, 
You can walk away from this story knowing that people are more ready than you think. They are more ready than you realize. God is at work and maybe doing things behind the scenes in their lives that you have no clue about. And they just want someone who will talk to them that they can open up to. God is at work all around us. Live intentionally. Live on mission. You are much more than what the world sees you as. You are a representative of Jesus Christ wherever you are, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then he expects us to be alert and not just stumbling through life on autopilot. We have a higher calling, a higher purpose. And he wants us to act on it. So if you want to be like Christ, which we all do, that means we've got to have the same mission he did. His was to seek and to save the lost. Ours is to seek the lost so we can introduce them to the one who can save them. So how do you put this into practice? How can we take this so that it's not just something that you hear on a Sunday morning and then you file it away as Sunday school story about Zacchaeus and then move on? I also don't want this to be another legalistic resolution like, okay, I must talk to someone about the Lord. I'm asking you guys to go deeper than that. And I say, how will I arrange my life so that it is crystal clear to anyone that my priority is Jesus Christ? And that means, for the record, it doesn't mean that you kind of blow off your job and just try to witness all the time or do whatever. And uh, we're called to do our work with excellence. And I think that in and of itself is a good witness for Jesus. But God has called us to go out and to make this what we build our lives around. So I would ask you, each of you, each of us, to pause, maybe this afternoon, but do it sometime soon. And keep it simple and just think of three people in your regular sphere of influence that you can share Christ with. I'll even say one to three people. Don't say, oh, I'm going to tell my whole school or I'm going to tell my whole office. Now, you can do that, but that'll get overwhelming. But who are up to three people, one to three people that you see regularly that you know God wants you to tell them about Jesus? And maybe you would take them and just start praying daily. Start praying for them every day. Build a habit into your life. I don't want this to just be a resolution where you say, okay, I've got to tell three people about Jesus so I can check it off. This is how can I build into my life so that it's evident my priority is letting people know about Jesus. I work well. I'm a good student. I do everything I do with integrity so people see that I align with Jesus in character. But then I also recognize that apart from Jesus, their destiny is hell. And God has given us the message, the antidote to that awful fate. And it's the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants us to build our lives around that. And he has put us all around this area. We have a glorious mission. I mean, it is amazing that God has invited us to be his messengers. I know how easily I can mess things up. 
And if I was God, I would say, Seeger, no, I'll keep him out of the way. He'll, he'll mess it up. But God looks at each of us and our fears, our insecurities, and he says, hey, I've appointed you as a herald, a messenger. I want you to have the awesome privilege of introducing people to my son. Why he came is why we're here. What we need to build our lives around. You know, we do what really matters to us. Everything else is just religious chatter. So what really matters to God is that people are introduced to his son. God so loves the world, he gave his only son. And he's given us the mission of introducing others to his son. So as Jesus himself said, for the Son of Man, for I came not, or came to seek and to save the lost. It's very simple. And he's called us to follow him in that by seeking out the lost so that we can introduce them to the one who can save him. Why he came is why we're here. And we want to build everything around that. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together. And communion, when you think about it, is a time where we remember in a very special and deep way why Jesus came. In another reference, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give him his life as a ransom for many. He was saying that he was coming so that he could die the world. You see, Jesus died in our place because none of us are good enough to save ourselves or to earn God's favor in and of ourselves. So Jesus was sent to earth to live a perfect life. He's fully God, fully man. And then he went to the cross and died. And he didn't just die a normal death. The purpose of his death was so that he could be a sacrifice for us. What he did on the cross is he took the penalty that our sin, all our wrongdoing, deserves. He took that, and then when he was buried, he said, I'm leaving it there, and then he rose from the dead three days later, and he offers life to everyone who believes. You see, the way to be right with God is not by doing good things by yourself, going to church, uh, or anything like that. The way we're made right with God is believing that Jesus died in our place and rose again. And then we say, Lord, I believe. I'm turning from the way I used to live, and I'm turning to Jesus and trusting you. You'll just take me from here. Communion is a picture of that. Communion is where we have elements God knows we're forgetful people. And we have the bread and the juice. Bread is a picture of Jesus' body that was broken for us, that hung on the cross for our sins. Juice is a picture of his blood that was shed for us so that our sin would be forgiven. Communion is a reminder of why Jesus came. And it's important for us to look at it personally in light of our own lives. But I think it's also appropriate for us, every time we take communion, say, Lord, this is why you came, and this is why I'm here. 
I'd like to have the servers come forward. And as we take the, uh, the elements, we'll do the bread first. Um, bread is a picture of Jesus' body that was broken for us.